It takes more than great recursive descent parsing skills to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 84. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show for software developers about non-technical topics. What motivated the recursive descent parsing thing? I have no idea. It just, just, it just came to my mind. It just takes more than that. It does. I mean, that's kind of a baseline, I guess. You thought about all the times that recursive descent parsing failed you in your quest to make your team work more effectively. <laughs> I realized I was always using recursive ascent parsers, which was <laughs> totally wrong. It just keeps adding more and more parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Well, maybe it'll work someday. We just need bigger machines. It's parentheses we keep running out all of memory, the way but up. Eventually, I, I think if we get a big enough machine, it'll work. <laughs> oh, would you like to read our first question today? I would love to. This is from an anonymous listener. Hi, Dave and Jameson. Thank you for sharing your insights. I love your show. We love our show, too. Uh-huh. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that was... That was very <laughs> egotistical of you. <laughs> I'm just confident in you, Dave. Oh. <laughs> I work on a team of four remote developers, all of whom are productive, kind, and humble. One of my teammates is very shy and anxious. They almost always join meetings with their camera off, rarely speak up in discussions, and give very sparse feedback in code review. I've always accepted this as just the way they are. However, I've found it harder and harder to empathize with them and have been frustrated by what feels like a one-way relationship. Am I wrong in expecting them to contribute in ways that they are apparently not comfortable with? If so, how do I manage these expectations? If not, how do I encourage this person to put themselves out there? Thanks for any wisdom and hilarity you can provide. Uh, those are high <laughs> bars. <laughs> well, they said any. <laughs> yeah. None is technically any also. <laughs> Have you considered that you are part of a sophisticated Turing test experiment? <laughs> Your coworker is a chatbot. Is that what you're saying? Yes, with a very quiet chatbot. With, yes, with limited audio capability. I haven't looked deeply into chatbots. Has Has anyone just tried to make one that's very shy? Probably. I know they usually talk a lot. Yeah, I was going to say no. Uh, and prob- then it's pretty easy to tell. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Actually, now that I think of it, <laughs> a shy chatbot but, would get like no engagement. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe it passed the Turing test. So we're building a new customer service chatbot, and we're, <laughs> we're thinking it just of, ignores you. Yeah, we're going to go with the shy model. <laughs> it's called DevNull. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried surprising them by going to their house and appearing behind <laughs> them in the middle of a call? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> just here to get to know you better. <laughs> <laughs> like when you have the hiccups and you want someone to surprise you maybe it's like that you're oh. shy you just haven't been shocked out of your shyness that's yet. right it's just this a temporary state they're just waiting for someone to scare them yep <laughs> i know when i feel anxious what i really need is someone to deliver a just a bone chilling amount of fear to me and then that <laughs> helps me overcome my anxiety <laughs> wow i feel so relieved now yeah well it's it's like a sneeze that you have coming on and then you just get it out of your system <laughs> just need a good fright huh. well now that we've had a good hearty laugh at this person's expense <laughs> <laughs> hmm. have you been in a situation like this dave yeah i um i feel like many teams have at least one shy engineer who has a hard time 
either vocalizing themselves well in, in a group setting, especially in a group setting. You know, the, it's the person you always have to say, hey, could you speak a little louder? Sure. But I don't think I've had one who is universally quiet in all communication modes. Like here we're talking code reviews, which I assume are written. Uh, sure. Meetings, which are, are They're audio They're this place. <laughs> <laughs> Interpretive dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> Um, They're not written. Typically, they'll be, you know, quiet in one mode and uh, vocal in another mode. So this sounds like universally quiet. You know, I don't offer code reviews. I don't speak in meetings and I don't even turn on my camera. Um, I don't think I've had anyone quite that extreme. Yeah. I mean, often if people are anxious in social situations, text is better for them. Sure. And then remote could help. Yeah. Hmm. So I, I have worked on a team with lots of remote people and I've been in this situation, especially when you're in a meeting and you're trying to get feedback from people and you just feel like there's just nothing coming. Yeah. It's just you talking to yourself. <laughs> yep. And I at least begin to feel like they all think I'm an idiot and that's why they're not talking because they're just so disgusted with me. <laughs> I, won't even, I won't even honor this guy with a response. Yeah, yeah. So or, or if you're trying to solve a problem, it just feels like it's all on you and you're just mm-hmm. talking to yourself with a crowd of people listening in. And yeah, it's it's not a fun situation. So I can can understand why this doesn't feel great. Mm-hmm. One thing that we did to try and help with this was we, we banned people from turning their cameras off in meetings. Mm. This, I mean, you need to be careful not to make this feel heavy-handed and authoritarian because it kind of is heavy-handed and yeah, authoritarian. Yeah, a little bit. But the, the purpose of it was to help make sure people feel engaged and remote work is easy to disengage right from easier than in person yeah if you're in a meeting it's a little more obvious if you're just totally spaced out not paying attention (laughs) but if your camera's off you turn your microphone off and then you just pull up minesweeper and just (laughs) sweep some minds for an hour don't say anything and people are like oh i guess they're just shy like nope saving the world (laughs) (laughs) saving the world for mines (laughs) yeah uh yeah so it's it's not i mean it's not just like distractions like that but but seeing people's faces helps promote connection and that's an avenue for signal you see their emotional reactions to what you're saying and you can get a little more insight into how people think and how people feel you're opening a channel yeah it's very helpful for remote stuff so maybe don't say we ban cam we ban you from turning your camera off but you you that might be a thing you approach, uh, talk about how important cameras are, and especially for remote work and remote teams. For sure. Sounds good. That's one way to back into the problem. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to propose a slightly more direct approach okay. where you confront the person, maybe stamp your feet and you know shake violently and ask them why they're so freaking quiet all the time. <laughs> like, like yell at them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're just so shy. <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> but but seriously, I, I do think that um, if I were in a situation like this and I had dealt with it for a long time and I could see that it was harmful to them and their participation in the team, I probably would approach them and I would say something very non-threatening. Like, hey, I, I've noticed that you seem to participate a little bit less than some of the other team members in some of these dialogues we've had um you know is everything okay like are you know how how is that what's going on um yeah and just see how they respond and maybe they'll 
if they trust you and you do this in a non-threatening way, maybe they will confide in you that there actually is a real issue with, that they have that makes it difficult for them to do that. That's one possible outcome. Or sure. they might just say, oh, I didn't even realize I was doing that. I'm just really comfortable letting other people take the lead on these things and I didn't really see a need to insert myself. And yeah. you know, those are two very totally viable um, outcomes that could happen. And I think it, that's a conversation I would probably have in this situation. The question asker mentioned unmet expectations. Well, they didn't say unmet, but they mentioned expectations a few times. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the crux of the issue is you have expectations. They might not understand those expectations yeah. and you don't know what their expectations are. So yeah. I, I think if you just talk about those openly, you can determine if those are correct and if those are expectations you both share and are, and are okay working with. The bad outcome is for you to feel like you feel now where you expect them to behave in a certain way. They don't know that. They don't behave that way. You get frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's very common. That happens all the time. But they might, like Dave said, they might have no idea. So if you lay out your expectations clearly, and especially if you if you make it clear that you want them to contribute more because you value their input, you said that they're shy and anxious, but they're also productive and there's probably more they can contribute to code and architecture and and helping other people on the team. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. I, um, I've actually, now that you mentioned it, I've had two coworkers who I've worked with who were super productive quality engineers, but in uh, social situations with more than two or three engineers in the room, they would be very quiet. And they would just sit back and play a very passive role. And both of those people I gave the feedback to in like their, we had regular feedback in my last company. And so I could say, you know, here's something I would recommend you improve. You have good ideas, but you need to make people aware of them by uh, either participating more actively in these discussions or by uh, verbalizing them in text form and email or whatever. But I want to hear more of your ideas so that you can contribute and we can all improve. And I think when people yeah. hear that that you think they have valuable things to contribute, it gives them license to actually make, you know, to participate, even if it might have been uncomfortable for them. Yeah. If, if they're anxious or shy or nervous about looking dumb, um, that might help if you tell them you think they have good ideas. I've actually been yeah. in similar situations where there's someone on my team who's brilliant and they were also kind of shy and reserved. And, and we had to tell them, we want to hear what you say because you're usually right. So, so speak up if you think you have a good idea. And they actually improved a lot. And it was, I mean, they were great to work with before. And it was even better to work with them after. No, oh, that's awesome. That's a cool story. One more comment on expectations. The, the last thing you can do if you're not comfortable with the things we've suggested so far, which about half of what we've suggested, I hope you're not very comfortable with. <laughs> is uh back on the on the thought of expectations is you could recalibrate your own expectations and if this person has no other issues with their work then maybe it's no big deal maybe this is the way they participate and it's just fine and you can say hey i can accept them for what they are and i heard i heard here in the comment let's see it's getting harder to empathize with them so Mm -hmm. For, I'd like to just zero in on that for just a minute. I think maybe you need to try to form more of a multidimensional relationship with this person that extends beyond just the immediate work that you're doing right now. Try to get to know them, figure out what their interests are, and, and maybe they come out of their shell and have a whole other side that you've never met simply because you've never been on a topic that really gets them going, you know? 
Yeah, that makes sense. This is one of the benefits of the much maligned team building exercises that teams can do. Um, (laughs) And I think it's really good for a team every six months to a year to do some kind of outing where you go out and do an activity together. It could be as simple as bowling, but it's something that will force the team to get to know each other outside of these, the single dimension of software engineering. And it makes empathy much more easy and accessible when you know that this, when you recognize this person as a multifaceted human being like yourself who has complexity and needs outside of work. And I think that may be one thing that's lacking here. Yeah, that makes sense. Good advice, Dave. Oh, thank goodness. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) (laughs) Have we answered this question? I think so. Shall I read the next one? Yes. This comes from an anonymous listener as well. It says, I am the only outspoken developer working in a flat organization of 25 developers. Our new manager is trying to make our code bases and future work consistent. One of these goals is to create a generalized architecture to use across all the apps. However, we as the employees do not get to define this architecture. It is being offshored to a team in India that our manager has worked with in the past. His reasoning for doing this is to get it done quickly and leave the mid to senior level developers free to do other things. But this means the core to all of our future apps cannot be determined by us and it kind of wrecks my morale. Ultimately, I'm feeling burnt by my manager and not trusted, despite him referring to me as a good developer. It feels like it's a loyalty-first mentality with my manager, where my life will go wonderful if I just say yes, sir, to everything, but this is not how I operate. Uh, it giggled a lot to myself while you were reading this. (laughs) It's just so bizarre. Working in a flat organization with a manager and junior and senior developers where the manager decides what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. This is flat, flat, flat has plenty of problems. Uh, those are not usually problems associated with flat oh, man. organizations though. Good observation. Yeah. This is weird. Yeah. It's so bizarre. <laughs> usually, usually anarchy is like the, <laughs> the most. Yeah, it's here. usually chaos and, and no expectations and hard to figure out what decisions are and how to make them. It sounds like a lot of decisions have been made for you and you can't question them, which doesn't feel very flat to me. <laughs> this is only so, flat in one way, which is we're saving money on middle management. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's flat in that you have no support. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is weird. Huh. Okay. Yeah. What do you think about your manager outsourcing the next generation architecture for your software uh it sounds bonkers <laughs> this is yeah this is bizarre this is really weird i i mean to leave the mid senior level developers free to do other things what what are they doing <laughs> <laughs> closing tickets with the rest of you <laughs> yeah they're they're actually really efficient at fixing bugs so we need we need the mid-senior developers all in on bug fixes (laughs) while this outsourced team creates the foundation of our technology. Of the next round of bugs you'll be fixing. (laughs) Yeah. I I hope there's some detail that's missing here because this sounds just so wrong. I don't think outsourcing is inherently bad. I've never heard of a team that outsources the core of their technology, though. Unless it's the only team member. Like, if, if all the engineering is outsourced, that's one thing. But if yeah, you yeah. already have an established team... You have 25 developers. Yeah. Well, 
Especially since this looks like it's a new outsourcing relationship where it had come from a previous engagement with this manager, someone he'd worked yeah. with before. It's like, oh, I'm going to yeah. bring those, that team back in. Yeah. Maybe they did really good work with them last time, which is fair enough, but... Maybe that's he plans to replace you. I mean, it could get more nefarious. Maybe there's some kickbacks going on, right? Oh, gosh. Maybe he gets money from this team for funneling business to oh, them. Oh, jeez. But only architecture work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where he gets more money for architecture work and less money for well-defined tasks and, and bug fixing. Yeah, that's that's Oof. like 90% a joke. I don't... I only a little bit suspect that. Okay, so um, <laughs> I have a counter proposal for you. Go to your manager and say, we as flat organization of developers have decided to outsource management to this great team in India that used to manage me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's amazing. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, what do you do in it? Honestly, it sounds like garbage. <laughs> and and. Pro tip. Quitting is always an option. Yeah, pro, pro tip. Do not go to your manager and say, this sounds like garbage. <laughs> Just leave him a recording of this episode on his desk where we accuse him of felony fraud <laughs> and tell him his idea sounds like garbage. Um, we're, we're great. You best not do that either. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. What? Yeah. What do you do besides quit? Because quitting is the easy, obvious. Like, sure, that would solve some problems. Right. Um, what do you do as as an employee in this air quotes flat, not actually flat, but not in the way that flat organizations aren't <laughs> actually flat way? Um. Wow. I would go to this manager and ask, "What is going on? What is your motivation here?" How can I best contribute in this new world of flat plus outsourcing? <laughs> yeah. We can call this core sourcing. <laughs> <laughs> well, my project got core sourced, so I'm stuck in the flat org. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I would, I would go to the manager and say, what's the motivation here? What's the long game? Where do you see our team in 12 months? You know, where do you see this uh, India team in 12 months? Um, what's the outcome you're hoping for? What, you know, why did you, what was the great experience you had with them in the past? And does that actually translate here? Surely before this decision was made, because there's money on the line, there had to be some kind of approval from someone. So this idea was pitched at some point to some leader yeah. in your company. And that leader uh, was aligned and somehow this got greenlit. So that means that there's some kind of paper trail, probably, that could at least explain his rationale. There's probably a, a slide deck or something somewhere you could at least find. But remember, it's flat. Oh, crap. So I forgot about that. It could be, it could be like <laughs> your coworker that you're sitting next to who is the leader that approved it. The junior dev that was just hired. Send out an email to your teammates and be like, hey, who approved this? Yeah. And they'll go like, oh, crap, I thought I, w I didn't realize I was the only approver. <laughs> <laughs> His reasoning for doing this is to get it done quickly and leave mid and senior level developers free to do other things. So that that reasoning is one I've heard a lot for outsourcing. It's very rarely applied to core architecture, but right. I have heard that tactic of we just really need to get this thing done. We need our team on other stuff uh, as a motivation for outsourcing. I just don't understand what what other stuff they're doing that's more valuable than the future of your 
platform. I, I feel or like architecture. I feel like we had a caller who um, wrote in with a similar concern. I don't know, maybe a year ago or so, who said that uh, like the next generation products being developed by this outsourced team. Oh yeah, by contractors. Right, but it wasn't the uh, like it wasn't like an architecture or a code standard. It was more like the next gen product, and um, yeah. we're being left here to maintain yeah. the old one. And maybe this is a precursor to that. Maybe mm, maybe like your maybe product is product. yeah maybe your product is on fire and they know that um, they need you to keep the lights on and to fix bugs and put out fires and meanwhile they want to develop the next generation and so they can't afford to take you off the firefighting so in come the contractors sure I can see why this would wreck morale because <laughs> it's new no matter what it is it's new exciting stuff that you don't get to work on that someone who isn't part of your group gets to work on right? right someone from the outside uh so it could feel like you're not trusted i yeah. can see that yeah me too how does the rest of your team feel about this it sounds like you are definitely bothered by it but does anyone else care do they not worry about it i mean bad decisions happen all the time i guess so it, it's not weird that someone made this decision that seems bad to us but it does seem weird that no one seems to care that much about it. Yeah, you're the only one. Maybe they just don't appreciate the gravity like you do. Yeah. Or maybe you have an inflated sense of anxiety like I do. <laughs> <laughs> you get paranoid whenever a decision is made by management on any subject. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? They didn't outsource our architecture yeah. to the team overseas? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We're doomed. <laughs> The flat thing really makes it tricky because normally the way you decide stuff in flat organizations is consensus. It's not mm -hmm. actually flat though. So if you go around and talk to all your coworkers and you organize a mob and then have pitchforks <laughs> yeah. and, and get all upset, then then I don't think that will go well because that's not how this decision was made. I thought when you said if you organize a mob, then you just created a hierarchical management structure where you're in charge. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. You've replaced your manager. You You've anointed yourself middle management over the mob pirates have a word for that as well <laughs> a mutiny that's right <laughs> oh you're right yeah punishable by death by the way well that's true i think the core thing of deciding what to do is how willing are you to push back on your manager mm -hmm. and and how willing are you to leave if they don't change because you you could kind of organize opposition to it and make it a big thing and bring a lot of uh, in a way that makes them not feel defensive, bring a lot of data that, that shows, hey, this is a bad idea, everyone will be sad, you'll lose employees, mm -hmm. Th they could fire you, they could do nothing, they could change their mind. It It is going to be a lot of work. I guess I'm just wondering, I mean, is there is there any other outcome besides trying to convince the manager not to do this with... with uh. <laughs> I don't know. I Whatever it is, it begins with a conversation with this manager, I think. And you might just be uh, confused. You might not have all the complete story about what's actually happening. You know? Yeah, I think I'm more willing than you are to slap the mutiny button. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. They took away our free startup water. <laughs> mutiny. Insta-mutiny. <laughs> There's a startup idea. Yeah. It's like meetup.com for mutinies. Okay. <laughs> Organize internal rebellions at your company. <laughs> for only $29.95 a month. 
per rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, th- I think you're talking to the manager ideas is good. I don't see it changing just the way this question was worded. I feel like this seems like a pretty done deal that the manager seems pretty excited about. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I mean, we're filtering that through a lot of lenses, but, but I don't see you saying, why are you doing this resulting in the manager having an epiphany and saying, this wrecks my team's morale and, <laughs> and it makes them sad and it might be better to go slower, but have the team own it or whatever mm-hmm. the trade-off would be. Mm-hmm. But I, well, I guess you said the other outcome is you understand some context you didn't. Yeah. I don't feel like I have anything useful to say here. Okay. That's what I'm realizing after <laughs> rambling about this question a lot. All right. Except the pitchfork thing, that was pretty useful. Yeah, I mean, that's that's generally useful. Anytime anything doesn't go my way, I reach for the pitchforks. <laughs> it's the first thing I reach for. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of pitchforks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, should we call that one answered? Uh, Put on your... I mean, I stabbed it with a pitchfork. Yeah, that's my go-to solution. Put on your mutiny hat and grab your pitchfork. All the tires of my cars are all flat because every time there's a problem with my car, I just stab it with pitchforks. (laughs) It hasn't worked yet, but maybe next time it will. (laughs) I just need to stab some air into the tires. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Good luck. I'm sure you'll solve this problem. Absolutely. One way or the other. Oh, yeah. This will not be unsolved for long. (laughs) Yeah. If your morale is wrecked. Yep. That's true. Uh, Yeah. Usually I just stab my morale with the pitchfork. (laughs) It gets better. Until it (laughs) reinflates. Yeah. Okay. Um, We got a lot of questions. Thank you for that. It was like quadruple volume this week. We are overwhelmed, inundated even. And we want quadruple that next time. That's right. Keep them coming. Hockey stick growth. Yep. So keep them coming. Yeah. Thank you so much for those questions. Yes. If people want to send in questions, Dave, what can they do? Go over to our website at softskills.audio and click on ask a question. Also on that same website, you can see every episode we've ever published. You can stream them right on the website. And we added a comment feature, which I had forgotten about for a while. And I just went back and perused a bunch of comments. There was some very interesting content there where people have added extra points that we forgot or corrected us on things. It's good stuff. So if you have a correction or a note or something you want to add to a discussion, go hit us up there at the bottom of each episode page. You can put whatever comment you want. Within reason. Yes, there are limits. You probably can't like paste the text of, I don't know, the brother's car Mazov into the comment box. <laughs> you can try. It would be too long. You can test discusses front end validation algorithms. All right. Uh, I think that means we're done. We will catch you next week. See ya.